Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome in to a WTF Wednesday here on Critical Thinking. We have the most crazy stories of the week. But before we get into all of that, we have got to break down, I think, what is the maybe the second most important story right now in the world. Um, first and foremost is the banking crisis. We have to keep an eye on that. Right, Pat? Right. And then secondly, I think it is what is going on in Ukraine. And as we get out of the winter season and and see where we're at. We're seeing troops massing on the border from Russia and, and all the rhetoric and all the things going on. And as we enter into the campaign season, if you will, on the GOP primary side, we need to know where people stand. And Tucker Carlson did the work for us. So we're going to begin a two-part deep dive. Usually this will be on Thursday, but we are going deep dive on questions that Tucker Carlson asked about foreign policy to the known candidates or potentially known candidates, some of whom answered, others of whom gave just weird statements, and then there were ones who just decided not to answer at all. So we're going to break down the first of the six questions. Um, we're going to break down the first half on today's program. So with that being said, why don't we just get in to today's critical thinking? <laughs> by the way good wednesday to you pat how are you doing oh it's it's better than monday closer to friday so doing all right so you're full of cliches today yeah yeah probably yeah mm, okay folks this is the hard-hitting analysis that uh pat oni brings to the table you can follow him on twitter for more of this at the pat oni show I am at the Coppin Show. Do not forget you can watch this program every single Monday through Friday over on our Rumble channel, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. And of course, download, rate, review the podcast. Um, we greatly appreciate you that listen every single day that download the podcast as we continue to grow and grow and grow um, exponentially. So we, again, greatly appreciate you. If you are new here, 
This show is going to break down the news, the views of the day from a critical thinking perspective. Um, there are no sacred cows here other than God is great. God is our glory. That's about it. Um, that's really our sacred cow here. Um, and of course, you know, I'm on Aaron Rodgers watch today, um, like noon central time as he appears on the Pat McAfee show. It'll be interesting to see what happens between now and then if we get an answer or if he's going to make his announcement there. So I still think he's going to retire. Mm. Interesting. I think he moves to the Jets. I don't think if you're Alan Lazard, you make that move without knowing <laughs> that you're going to have an actual decent quarterback because Mike White is gone, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, so now you're left with Zach Wilson. If you're Alan Lazard, do you trade in Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love for Zach Wilson? Yeah. Or any of the other 31 potential quarterbacks in the NFL? <laughs> no. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, you know, it, it just reminds me, and I just bring back to myself, you know, the the summer or the spring of 2008, and, and I was in uh, Ames, Iowa, at Iowa State University at the time. So it was a very interesting time um, being away from like all of my friends and, and stuff like that. Um, so we uh, connected via phone because there was no FaceTime. There was, you know, none of that sort of stuff really existed other outside of Skype. Um, so, yeah, we uh, we managed to uh, call each other sitting at a bar, you know, <laughs> having a beverage together. So uh, reminiscing about the good times with Favre. And I don't know if we'll do the same thing. Uh, today, if that happens um, one way or the other. So it'll be interesting to see what he chooses to do and where the Packers go. Um, but outside of all of that, now that we've wasted some time on the show, um, we've got to talk about foreign policy, specifically Russia, World War Three, the potentiality of that um, and where the GOP stands. Where do the candidates stand when it comes to fighting on behalf of Ukraine or bringing troops in or bringing all these other things in. And I think Tucker Carlson did a really good job of reaching out to all the candidates and asking pertinent questions. So I want to start there, Pat. I want to I want people to understand what the questions were. And we're going to cover the first three of these questions today. Number one, he asked, is opposing Russia in Ukraine a vital strategic strategic in interest for America? If I could talk. Number two, what's our objective in Ukraine and how will we know we've achieved it? Number three, what is the limit of money and weapons you'd be willing to send to Zelensky? E -e -e -e. Number four, should the United States support regime, regime, regime change in Russia? Number five, has U.S. sanctions been effective? Number six, does the United States face the possibility of nuclear war with Russia. First off, Pat, your your thoughts on the questions that he had asked. Oh, those are very good questions. I think uh, those are questions that, you know, I think we've been asking of this administration currently that we don't get any answers on. At mm -hmm. least no good answers. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, their, their their press secretary and Joe Biden are two of the most incompetent people within that administration. Would you call them incompetent boobs? Yes, yes, I would. Yes, I would. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that's a, that's a that's a very apt name for both of them. Um, <clears throat> but uh, the 
those are good questions. I think that the voters are going to be asking of the potential GOP candidates come this primary season. And I think these are questions that our Congress needs answers to from the president, right? Make the case, right? Make the case. If you're going to make the case, make the case. But I think these are the questions that we as a uh, citizenry need to ask and hold our politicians accountable for. Okay, so you said X, Y, Z. You said this. You said that. Okay, so make the case. Make the case. If you think that this is correct, make the case for us, right? And I will say this. As I look at this from the the potential for actual troops and getting involved and from the libertarian perspective of, you know, anti-entanglements, right? I always struggle with this. Were you two have suggested from a libertarian perspective that getting into the European uh, theater of World War II was wrong? I, I, I would love to know the case that you could make that we shouldn't have gone to war with uh, Nazi Germany. What is the what is the humanitarian case? What is the political case? What is the economic case? What is what case can you possibly make even in that day and age, right? In that time. Now, we do have obviously the the wherewithal or the foresight of you, if you will, of hindsight, right? We we know in hindsight some things that we didn't know because it it has been stated for a very long time. The rumors of the Holocaust were there, right? Right. But for a lot of people, they didn't know the extent of what was going on. Um, that having been said, I, I still think there's a very big case for us to have entangled ourselves in that war on the European front. Obviously, things all changed once we were directly attacked by Japan and in the Pacific uh, side of things. But so I look at that from that perspective, right? So as a libertarian and somebody who believes that, you know, unless we have a direct national interest, what purpose does this serve? That is the perspective and the questions I ask in my own head as we look at the examination of the various candidates. Now, what we do know, Pat, is Trump, DeSantis, Mike Pence, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Christy Nome answered all of the questions. Greg Abbott gave a statement. Um, Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, and a few others just refused. I think John Bolton was one of them. Um, just refused to answer. So we're only going to deal with the people who gave actual answers. Um, so Greg Abbott can go to the sidelines as far as I'm concerned. And most importantly, I don't think he's a realistic candidate to begin with. Uh, but we are all about equal time here on this program as we critically think through the questions. So again, we're going to start with question one. And question... And question one again is, is opposing Russia in Ukraine a vital strategic interest for America? All right. So we're going to start with um, the first person to answer this question, which is Donald Trump, believe it or not. Donald Trump's answer to this is no, but it is for Europe, but not for the United States. That is why Europe should be paying far more than we are or equal. We're going to move forward then 
because I think we I want to give all of the answers and then get your reaction, Pat. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. DeSantis's answer is while the U.S. has many vital natural interests, uh, national interests, excuse me, securing our borders, addressing the crisis of readiness within our military, achieving energy security and independence, and checking the economic, cultural, and military power of the Chinese Communist Party, becoming further entangled in a territorial dispute between Ukraine and Russia is not one of them. The Biden administration's virtual blank check funding of the conflict for, quote, as long as it takes, without any defined objective or accountability, distracts from our country's most pressing challenges. Uh, Mike Pence, his answer, when the United States supports Ukraine in their fight against Putin, we follow the Reagan doctrine and we support those who fight our enemies on their shores. So we will not have to fight them ourselves. There is no room for Putin apologists in the Republican Party. This is not America's war, but if Putin is not stopped and the sovereign nation of Ukraine is not restored quickly, he will continue to move toward our NATO allies, and America would then be called upon to send our own. Vladimir Putin has revealed his true nature, a dictator-consumed conquest, and willing to uh, spend thousands uh, of lives for his commitment to reestablish the greater Russian empire. Anyone who thinks Putin will stop at Ukraine's border is not owning up to the reality of who Putin is. We need to be clear-eyed about the Russian threat, that Georgia, the Crimea, and Ukraine are merely at the top of Putin's list. They are not the only countries he's aiming for. And by supporting Ukraine, we have told China we will support Taiwan, should they follow Russia in an attempt to invade. All right, so we've got just two more on this question here. Vivek Ramaswamy up next. Again, Is opposing Russia and Ukraine a vital American national strategic interest? No, it is not vital. Rather, this is a stark reminder of what what is a vital American national strategic interest, national energy independence. This war is a symptom of America's lack of self-sufficiency. Putin is a tyrant and started this needless war, but he did so because we created incentives that tipped the balance of his decision-making in favor of invading. If he knows the West relies on him to provide oil and gas because the U.S. and Western Europe have self-inflicted limitations on their own ability or willingness to produce, then Putin is in a stronger position, and that led him to think he could win. The Biden administration weakened our energy security, which created the conditions for Putin to invade Ukraine, which is, of course, an undesired outcome. Biden, in turn, responded by calling for more oil and gas production pretty much everywhere in the world other than the U.S. itself. And then finally, Christy Nome. Her answer, the primary external threat to the United States in communist China is, I think it meant to say is communist, not in communist, but is communist China. Our opposition to Russia has heightened this threat for a number of reasons. One, it's pushing Russia into an alliance with China, meaning Russia may soon draw from China's large weapons arsenal. Two, we're weakening our own military by sending weapons to a corrupt country. And three, we're taking our eyes off the ball and allowing China to put favors in their bank. This should be Europe's fight, not ours. We should not waste taxpayer dollars at the risk of nuclear war. All right. So now that we have the answers to basically, is this our fight, right? Is this a national interest for the United States of America? Um, What are your overall thoughts on the answers from those five individuals? Trump, DeSantis, uh, Pence, Ramaswamy. And no. Well, I mean, they they all bring up. I mean, 
the first of all, I'll, I'll just kind of go in order. So Trump, Trump gave a very concise answer to this. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as detailed as the others. But However, what fair, Trump said. To be fair, though, there was a rather lengthy statement that he gave before answering that question. Okay, fair enough. But my 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 point is that what he said there is correct. It's it's not. Um, uh, and um, can, can you actually pull up what he actually said in full again? Yeah, of course. No problem. Yeah. I could do that for you. Yeah. So so what he said was, um, and I agree with him on this. It, it's Europe's problem. Um, this is more Europe's fight than it is ours. Because what what Russia is doing in Ukraine is impacting other European countries. So if anyone who wanted to get involved, it is more of a Europe thing than it is an us thing. If if I mean they, they should be the ones donating weapons or you know doing what they need to do. Um in terms of what Ron DeSantis said, this is an answer I feel like you would give. I mean, he's not wrong. Don't don't get me wrong. I don't I don't think he's wrong. But this is an answer I think that you would give by not having a lot of experience with foreign policy. Um, I, I do believe he is right though that our he does highlight what is in in our best interest right now. What are our, our vital national interests being securing our border, um, military readiness energy independency um and then putting in check the the ccp so i do believe that is more within our interests right now than it is with russia so i think he's right he gives a very good answer for not having a lot of experience with foreign policy let's put it that way yeah and i think you know as we look at these more broadly pat um outside of pence uh, we see a very familiar theme that um, this isn't mm-hmm. our fight and it's not in our national strategic interest in Europe right. and blah, 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 blah. I think Pence is the the lone holdover from kind of the Bush era, if you will. Right. Um, yes. I, and I think you see it, right? And, and I think you'll see it in further um, questions and answers here. But um, I think he stands in stark contrast to the more um, dovish version mm-hmm. of foreign policy that exists within the America First movement or the MAGA movement or whatever the hell you want to call it these days. Um, <clears throat> now, I will say this, though. The other person who stands in stark contrast for me is Vivek, and here's why. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy points out something that none of the rest of them have, Right? And that is about the energy independence and and the fact that we boxed ourselves in and we may not have a choice. And I don't necessarily think that that's a wrong statement. He, no, he is not. correct in stating he is correct in stating that this shouldn't be our fight. But that is a wholly separate question from is it our fight? And right. have our decisions and the decisions of Western Europe made that more difficult? Absolutely. Look at you know. Look at the issues in Germany. Look at the issues for all the people who have relied on Nord Stream and, and the, the natural gas pipelines and and the strategic importance um, that you know the strategic importance in, in energy that Russia holds over Europe. They did that to themselves. Okay. But the thing that I think is most important here is that I think every single one of them has missed the point. They don't understand what the actual fight is about. 
they see this from a a perspective about energy, which is partially correct. They see this from a Europe needs to defend itself, which is partially correct. But this has broader economic implications. They're, they're, they have all the pieces to the puzzle, but they've refused to put it together, if you will, right? China is important, right? But why is it important? <clears throat> why is that a strategic importance? Why is the energy important? Why is all this important? Again, what have we talked about as we have looked at it here through the lens of critical thinking? It is this, right? It is international economics versus national economics. And we have sided with international economics, if you will. International um, currency, right? Versus national currency and the importance. And there's a whole thing that you have to kind of unfurl, right? You have to kind of put the flower into the water, if you will, and let it blossom to really understand it. None of them mentioned it. Not a single one of them put the pieces of the puzzle together for me. And the reason and, and how I would have addressed this is from this perspective. I do not believe our strategic national interest is served by getting involved in a war that involves inter, uh, one side that believes in international economic control and another side that believes in fully national economic control. I believe our national strategic interest is best served by not playing that game, period, point blank. And I want to remove ourselves from those types of entanglements. Did you hear that? No. No. All right. Because, uh, uh, you got a final quick point here, Pat? Because we got yeah, so to move quickly here. To go back to Mike Pence just really quick, the one thing I will say that I do believe that he is correct on Putin's not stopping in Ukraine. Uh, I do think he's going to be looking at other places to go and invade eventually. But, yeah, but that, that assumes that he actually wins. The, we all assume right, that this right. he's going to win Ukraine, Ukraine for falling by now. Else. See, this right. is the problem with that assumption. Mm. Uh, yeah, he may want to do all of those things. I want a million dollars. Does that mean I'm going to get a million dollars today, Pat? No, it doesn't. No. Or tomorrow or ever. It's it, you're right. The question is, will he? And I, I think it's also contingent upon does he win in Ukraine? Right now, and he when, ain't. When? When does he win? He ain't, and he probably won't. Mm. And there's a whole litany of reasons for that. But the second question that Tucker asked is, what's our objective in Ukraine, and how will we know we have achieved it? All right, so the answer uh, to that, and by the way, Vivek had a second part to his answer um, on um, the first question, so I just want to throw that up because it's rather lengthy. But basically, he says, the more America is reliant on foreign energy and oil, the less leverage we have with petro dictators. Uh, he goes on to talk about what the Europeans need to do, um, and then Later on says that the main thing should be the main thing. Focus on China. China wants U the Ukraine war to last as long as it's po as possible to deplete Western military capacity before invading Taiwan. Not incorrect in my view. It's working. We think we appear stronger by helping Ukraine, but we've actually become weaker vis-a-vis -vis China. And that is true. I mean, look at all the um, all the stories about us having to import um, ammunition and do all of those things, right? And then lastly, he says that we've spent 20 years droning people in caves in the Middle East and Central Asia and have little to show for it. 
We should be taking out the people who have caused the death of more than 100,000 Americans every year, the Mexican drug cartels. Now, that's a whole separate issue that maybe we'll deal with at a different time. But the answer to question number two, what specifically is our objective in Ukraine and how will we know we've achieved it? Trump says that our objective in Ukraine is to help and secure Europe, but Europe isn't helping itself. They are relying on the United States to largely do it for them. That is very unfair to us, especially since Europe takes advantage of us on trade and other things. Okay. He's not wrong, but again, what is our objective and how do we achieve it? Didn't answer it, in my view. Um, let's go ahead and move on to uh, Ron DeSantis, who says, Without question, peace should be the objective. The U.S. should not provide assistance that could require the deployment of American troops or enable Ukraine to engage in offensive operations beyond its borders. F-16s and long-range missiles should therefore be off the table. These moves would risk explicitly drawing the United States into conflict and drawing us closer to a hot war between the world's two largest nuclear powers. That risk is unacceptable. All right, Pence answers the question this way. Victory for Ukraine, where Ukraine's sovereignty and peace are restored as quickly as possible. Unfortunately, the Biden administration slow walked aid to Ukraine. Every response has been too slow from providing intelligence to Ukraine to hammering Russia with sanctions to providing military equipment and fighter jets to Ukraine. Ukraine's victory should be an unmistakable, undeniable defeat for Russia and its allies. We then move on to Vivek's response. Vivek says, our objective in Ukraine should be to respect any prior legal treaty commitments the U.S. has made so as to preserve our credibility when it comes to commitments in the future, which I believe we have already fulfilled and indeed gone beyond. And he says in parentheses, I make a clear distinction between commitments to which Congress was made aware and approved and whatever secret deals the Biden administration might have cooked up. The Budapest Memorandum signed by Russia, Ukraine, the U.S. and the U.K. was supposed to assure Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity. Ukraine gave up its nuclear weapons, a massive stockpile, and received security protections, but not an alliance or pledge to go to war, just a commitment to respect the sovereignty of existing borders. Whether that was the right decision to make in 1994 is a point of reasonable debate, but it is our long-term self-interest to stick by our word, and we have. He continues, but now it is time to move on. There's still more from Vivek, though. Good grief. Uh, he talks about a key objective has already been achieved by revealing Russia to be a paper tiger. Russia's military capabilities are far weaker than the U.S. defense establishment previously had assumed. He goes on to say that our second objective is to deter Putin from aggression against other European nations, including NATO powers. But we can achieve that goal in part by guaranteeing America's energy independence, which our own president has unilaterally undermined. It is stunning that, that, that Biden lobbied against the EU adopting its Russian oil ban, while simultaneously sending $113 billion in aid to Ukraine to fight against Russia. In other words, Biden helped fund Putin's war machine with one hand, and yet he sends money to Ukraine with the other. More importantly, if you want to deter Putin from invading Poland, then move the idle tens of thousands of troops we have from Germany into Poland to send a signal, not by fighting a war in Ukraine. And then a third objective is nudging, shaking, if necessary, the Europeans to take care of themselves. I believe in America First 2.0, and we should at least get the Europeans to fight uh, Europeans to European First 1.0. We actively undermine this very objective by offering a bottomless pit of aid. And then we move forward to Christy Nome, who says that 
the American people didn't get us into this war. Joe Biden did. Biden has this fantasy that he can do the same kind of thing to Russia that Ronald Reagan did to the Soviet Union, that somehow through American military weight, we're going to bring Putin to his knees. His fantasy is wasting a lot of American money and killing too many people. If we had a president who pursued peace through strength, Putin never would have dared to invade Ukraine. The only way to avoid these kinds of conflicts is to project strength. That's why voters must remove Biden and the Democrats from office. All right. Your thoughts there, Pat. Didn't she didn't really Christy Dome didn't really answer that that question in my my view. Um you know, she she does address like the the crux of hey, you know, we're not the ones that got us into the war, and then you know the Biden administration did, and she she puts it back on the Biden administration. All of what she said is true, but how do we know that we've won? Right. Um, and, and how do we know that our interest has been fulfilled? I, what I is think the objective Vivek, and how do you achieve it? Right. Well, yeah, it was yeah, she didn't really address that. She didn't address address what that was. I think she Vivek wrote about did saying that peace is the objective. Well, yeah, I mean, but what is what is peace in this case? I guess you know, and I, I think people are going to have a very right. different answer on that than the not. Um, I think Vivek probably gave the best answer. Yeah, it was long winded. Uh, I didn't even give it, the whole it, answer, but right. Um, but it, it, he he gave the best answer. I mean, he gave the most wrong. details. Yeah, yep. and and I think and, he's a dead on. I think he is yeah. absolutely dead on. So, um, and, and I agree with you. I don't. I, Trump, Trump answered it without answering it, yeah. as well. Um, yeah. And then Ron DeSantis again. I think it comes down to what he said wasn't wrong. It's just to me, it just looks someone that's not as well versed in foreign policy as maybe some others. Mm. I think he brings up the great point of: Do we send fighter jets? Do we send long range right. missiles? Yeah, yeah. I'm Those not saying I'm not saying, he's wrong. I'm not saying he didn't bring up any great points. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't it wasn't as strong of an answer for me. Okay, that is fair enough. All right. So then let me remind you again what question number three was. What is the limit of money and weapons you'd be willing to send to Zelensky? Did I get I'm, enough uh, wise on the end there, Pat? Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in to see like what they say here. All right. So let's go ahead and take a look at... Uh, Trump's answer here. Trump's answer is that would strongly depend on my meeting with President Putin and Russia. Russia would have never attacked Ukraine if I were president. Not even a small chance would have never have happened if I were president, but it has. I would have to see what the direction in which Russia is headed. I want them to stop and they will, depending on the one that delivers that message. But with everything said, Europe must pay. The United States has spent much more than Europe, and that is not fair, just, or equitable. If I were president, that horrible war would end in 24 hours or less. It can be done, and it must be done now. All right, so then we've got uh, Pence's answer. As a fiscal conservative, I do not believe in sending blank checks and want oversight of government spending at home and abroad, but withholding or reducing support will have consequences. If Putin is not stopped now and he moves into NATO-controlled territory, the cost will be far greater. Mm. All right. Then we move on to Vivek. Generally speaking, I don't think it's wise to telegraph our ends. And I believe the, f- the facts in January 2025 may be very different from where they are today. But let me be clear. If I were president right now, I would limit any further funding or support to Ukraine. 
Ukraine isn't in the top five of American foreign policy priorities right now, and yet merely questioning whether the money we spent on the war is being done effectively or perhaps even prolonging the war is seen as disloyal. We get accused by both Democrats and Republicans of being Putin sympathizers. The Washington Uniparty and defense contractors want this conflict to go on forever. For the sake of the global economy and peace, we should be doing everything we can to end it tomorrow. As I mentioned, Biden gives $113 billion in aid to Ukraine while he lobbied against the EU ban on Russia or Russian oil imports. On the other hand, the U.S. has shot itself in the foot with its own uh, production capabilities. It's unclear who wins this game, but the loser is clear, America. He continues because he had, does have a really important answer here. I'll say it again. The Europeans need to do more, a lot more. It's their backyard. It's their borders. The Europeans have gotten used to freeloading, and we know what happens to freeloaders. They become dependent, even lazy. We can't be the nanny of Europe forever. We have too much to take care of here at home. We have a Swiss cheese of a southern border that pours in fentanyl, killing hundreds of thousands of Americans every year. It's time to secure our border before taking care of somebody else's. Uh, someone else's, excuse me. This would be an appropriate and morally justified use of military force, secure our southern border, and annihilate the drug cartels responsible for countless American deaths on our own soil. We've discovered a big problem on our end, the weakness of our industrial base. I'm disturbed by reports that our aid to Ukraine has drained away uh, munitions and other material that we could potentially need for our own defense. Furthermore, he continues, um, there's opportunity cost in depleting these defense resources, especially in protecting our own soil and border from Mexican cartels or in the case of communist China. Critics of this view would say that these defense capabilities are different, that we need enhanced naval capabilities to counter China and defend Taiwan. That is a hubristic view that we shouldn't indulge when we have a major future un when we have major future unknowns. Opportunity costs are opportunity costs, period. And then finally, Christy Nome. We've already overextended ourselves in, in our largesse at, to Ukraine, and the Ukrainian government is not made up of angels. They have a long history of corruption uh, scandals, and recent news indicates that this issue is ongoing. The federal government is closing in on $200 billion in aid to Ukraine. We haven't spent that much to protect our own border in the last five years combined. We must question whether we should prop up a corrupt regime to our own financial detriment. All right, your thoughts there, Pat. Well, first of all, I didn't like Trump's answer at all. That, that, that to me was the answer that uh, someone that is has a big ego and is very arrogant would make. Do we know that Russia would have not have attacked Ukraine if Trump were still president? We can make that argument. We certainly can make that argument. Do, but do we know it for sure? Mm -hmm. No. Um, and would it be over within 24 hours? I don't know. I, I doubt it. I have doubts on that. Um, and I what, what we meant by over in 24 hours, Pat, is that um, <clears throat> once if he were to become president again, he mm. would have a plan that would end that. I, in I, I guess hours. I just question what that plan is. You know, so so I, I wasn't I was not a fan of that answer. Again, I think Vivek kind of steals the the uh, the the limelight on this one, um, because he he gave a very detailed answer. Now, granted, notice none of them gave an uh, a a number per se, right? 
which I kind of hope for in the back of my mind, but Vivek actually kind of addressed this. Like we shouldn't just be advertising what that is. And, yeah, and we're and willing to why. give you up to $200 billion on the American credit card, right? There's your credit right. card limit. Go ahead and spend as you want. No, right, right. He's, he's not, he's not up for that. So like, I, I really appreciated his answer. And then again, he addresses, you know, where, where we should be putting our focus. And so like, I just, I, I really appreciated his answer by far the most. Um, Christy Nome was meh. Um, yeah, Mike Christy Nome has it, Christy Nome and and what you're seeing from some of these people uh, is the political platitude crowd, right? Right, and this is something we, I mentioned yesterday with why Vivek's candidacy continues to um, intrigue me is because he speaks his mind, but does so not in a Trumpian way, not in a political circle roundabout way, but in a plain understandable but detailed way a way in which people can relate right he is not speaking washington if you will right he's not speaking capitol hill ease he speaks in plain language understandable to the american people and in detail you know exactly what he thinks why he thinks it and that stands out to me it really does when i see these answers it's like oh whoa I, I tend to gravitate that direction. I really right. do. Um, I think he has a larger grasp on this issue than almost anybody else. Now, which I, I think, surprises. yeah, it does. It really does surprise me. I think the other thing that surprises me is the, the course of the Southern border and the Mexican cartel situation. I think we could get into or down that rabbit hole in a whole different direction, but I will just say this on a generality. I'd be very careful because now you're talking about taking basically the sovereignty of Mexico away. However, I will say this on the opposite side as I critically think through this. The libertarian position on the border, right? The libertarian position has largely somewhat been kind of open borders. And it's open borders insofar as the belief that people should be economically free to choose where they live based upon a job, based upon those types of things, right? And right. so, yes, there should be some sort of national to national sovereignty that exists, but a much more free exchange of job and worker. So... If you believe in much more of an open border policy, right? So let's 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 play that out as I critically think through this, Pat. If you do believe that, why would you oppose crossing the border and taking care of people who are pouring products and poison down the throats of the American public? There's a moral case to be made. There is a defense case to be made. There is a legal case to be made, right? Mm -hmm. If you if you don't believe that borders should exist, then fine. Let's go kill them. Go get them. On the other hand, if you do believe in that border and you want the wall and you want all of those things, we we have increased those things. Yes, not over the last couple of years, 
But during the Trump administration, and did the fentanyl crisis get better or worse? Worse. Worse. Okay. So what is the answer? I don't know what the answer is. Ultimately, are we or are we not responsible for putting that own poison in our bodies? Yeah, we are. Yeah. And that, I think, is the ultimate answer here. We have to not want it, right? Because they're, because what do we know about the cartels, right? It's supply, demand. It's, it's you know, they're going to move the chess pieces around to whatever thing uh, people are demanding. We have to be better about not putting that kind of poison into our own bodies. That's the reality of the situation. Now, we can also argue about, well, they're lacing this with fentanyl and that is cut with fentanyl and this is blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, you need to know that. You need to be an educated consumer of your dope, if you will, right? Them's the breaks. Those are the chances you take. Do I have to feel sorry for you? No, I don't. Can I feel sorry for somebody who is addicted? Yeah, I can. I can understand the addiction. I can. It, it is very, I understand the difficulty that can exist in, in cleaning yourself up and, and getting away from that lifestyle, right? I understand that. There's a chemical issue. There's a, all that sort of stuff. But we have so far removed ourselves from personal responsibility that there's the issue. So I think, I think it's a very interesting question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we willing to, number one, um, unless we have the permission of the Mexican government, which is arguably the most corrupt government in the world right now. We know that. I, I just, I, I could tell you this much. I'm not traveling to Mexico anytime soon. I wouldn't want to. Yeah, I, even into a resort area. I mean, they're literally telling you, stay in your resort and don't go anywhere. What is the fun of that? Don't go explore some of the cool ruins and, or do this or do that. For fear of what? For fear of the, the cartels and the gangs and the violence and all the crap that's going on in that country? I, I don't know what the answer is, but I do know that it can start with personal responsibility and saying and, and putting that on the level of no, don't do that. And that becoming not just an educational, not a dare thing, not anything like that, but a as a society, we are not going to help those who don't want to help themselves thing. And I've talked long and hard about how do you handle drug addiction and crime? You handle it with attempting to get to the root cause, but you do that with the carrot and the stick. And we don't do either. We just hand them the stick right now. So with that being said, Pat, um, your thoughts on on where those answers came down. Besides besides Vivek impressing you, what were what was the other takeaway you had? Um I, I think that the other, you know, real takeaway here is that um there again, you kind of mentioned this. I I was actually going to get to this as well. Is that that the other answers were were basically either non-answers or they were platitudes. 
Um, like, like I said, I didn't really like Trump's answer on this one. I, I didn't really feel like it was much of an answer at all. Um, I, I think, you know, you look at Nikki Haley and Pence, you know, Pence has a very different take than, than everybody, right? Um, he, he's the only one that's really kind of going the opposite way. Um, but I, I get just GOP platitudes from, from Nikki Haley. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not seeing anything that, 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 Nikki that Haley. Sh- yeah, kind of. She didn't it, answer it, anything. Right. Like no, she didn't answer any of the she didn't respond. Nikki, Nikki Haley didn't re, didn't no, we score Christy Nome. Nikki Haley? Oh. Oh, it's Christy Nome. Mhm. Excuse me. My my apologies. Still, I I don't I don't think Christy Nome really really answered anything. Um it was just a platitude. I think it, I think this exposes her as somebody who's not ready for prime time. No, I don't. I don't think she is either. Now, could she be a potential VP candidate? Which is what I think she's running for anyway. Sure, maybe, maybe. But is she is she maybe the the top candidate for that kind of thing? Probably not. Probably not. I'll tell you this: I would rather Kim Reynolds, the governor of Iowa, over Christy Nome, the governor of South oh. Dakota. Thousand if, I, if I'm looking that direction as a VP, that's that's where I'm going. Thousand percent, thousand percent. Because Kim Reynolds has the bona fides of standing up culturally, standing up uh, mm. economically. Um, but anyway, um, right. I, I think my my second biggest takeaway is, um, how do I want to put this? Is how. How different the GOP is um, in terms of its foreign policy today than it was eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it's amazing to watch that transformation over the last decade. And part of that, I think, is because we've seen the results of endless war, right? And people are sick and tired of it. Um, but the thing that stood out the most is nobody answered what the objective is and how do you achieve it and where what's the timeline, right. Vivek's answer is, is probably the closest to doing so because he said, I'm not going to give away the end, right? Right. And I get you don't want to, but I think you have to make the case. If you're going to make the case to go to war, you have to make the case of how do we how do we measure success? Because it's not just the war on terror. It's not just the Gulf War. It is not just um, those things, right? Right. Let's look at Vietnam. Let's look at Korea. Let's look at every war since World War II. What was the objective? Did we achieve it? No. I don't know what the objective was. I mean, I know what the objective was attempted to be sold to us, right? Is that we have to fight the communists and we have to protect, um, you know, the the anti-communists, if you will, right? Except for we were playing both sides in Korea. Except for we played both sides in Vietnam, right? If you know anything about... Um, Pol Pot and and what took place in Cambodia and and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it, it, it is brutal what we really were doing, and we ended up with no clear objective, no way to measure a win or a loss, and we ended up losing, in my view. So um, I think it's interesting that there are lessons that it appears the GOP has learned. It's taken forever for them to learn them, but they have learned them. And they're leery of getting into something without knowing the clear objective. And I don't mind that. Um, but let's go ahead and move on, Pat. 
because uh, we still have uh, WTF Wednesday to get into. But before we get into WTF Wednesday, how about we play a little bit of the B or not the B? Let's do it. All right, Pat. Today's headline. Leadership. Biden calls on banks to stop collapsing. Leadership. Biden calls on banks to stop collapsing. Is this the B or not the B? That is the question. And while you're thinking about that, Andrew Coppins, folks, it's Wednesday morning mm-hmm. as we're recording this. If you need a morning pick-me-up, go to coffeebrandcoffee.com. They've got great flavors over there. They don't care about your politics. They don't care about your vote. They just care about making a great product. And again, everything is freshly roasted, freshly shipped right to your door. So that's how you know it's going to be a great product. Uh, I highly recommend finding a flavor that you're familiar with that you that you would like and then maybe trying something that you think you might like but haven't really tried yet. So I, that, that's my personal recommendation. If you're not a coffee drinker, they've got tea. They have hot chocolate, of course. Granted, the hot chocolate only has three flavors right now. So uh, they have like the chocolate, the uh, marshmallow, and I can't remember what the other one was. But it it's... All of them, all of them are very good. I, I've tried all of them; they're very good. Um, so, go, all you need to do is go to coffeebrandcoffee.com, use the promo code Critical Thinking at checkout. You'll get five percent off your purchase. That's coffeebrandcoffee.com, promo code Critical Thinking at checkout, and you'll get five percent off your purchase today. All right, leadership. Biden calls on banks to stop collapsing. Is this the B or not the B? Andrew Coppins, your answer. This has got to be the Babylon B for me, uh, because this is exactly some, you know, BS that that Biden would spew. Um, he spewed a lot of it this week, by the way. Just like yeah, I know. Yeah. utter BS, like just flat out lies. Yeah, and and it's trickling down. You want to talk about trickle down? The the yeah. trickle down from the top all the way to the municipal level. The amount of lies that Brandon Johnson is telling here in Chicago. Like not even like uh, fudging around what he has said and meant. Mm-hmm. The amount of, of just flat out lies that are being told, like whoppers that are being told, is unreal. And we'll get into that at some point in time here as we head into the uh, the election for mayor. Um, wow, 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 wow. All right. Um, so I'm assuming I'm correct. Are, are you sure that that's your final answer? Yeah, that's my final answer. Then you would be correct. This is the Babylon B. Even more of Dominic Izzo's money that we won't see. Yeah, because of the whole MLM Ponzi mm-hmm. scheme mm-hmm. setup he's got going on over there. Um, okay, so many are praising President Biden for his swift and decisive leadership this morning. In a set of forceful and clear remarks to the country's financial system, he called on all banks to stop collapsing immediately. Hey there, banks. Yeah, you. Stop it. I mean it. Not a joke, said the president to a smiley face written on his thumb. In Sharpie, he mistook for one of of his nieces. You've collapsed long enough. I say no more. That's enough, Banks. Cut it out now. So help me, or I'll I'll count to 10. The president then attempted to count to 10, but then got lost somehow around the number four when he became distracted by the smiley face on his thumb and began sniffing it. Oh, honey, I like your shampoo. What was I saying again? 
Mainstream media politicians and Wall Street bankers all joined on the call for banks to stop collapsing and vowed to never hold anyone accountable for any of the things or any of this is if if this is the last thing they do. At publishing time, the banks had still not needed, heeded the president's command. I mean, that's, that's pretty. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, pretty uh, apt there. Like, you know, it's uh, pretty, pretty, pretty dead on. I'm pretty, pretty sure that's something like that would actually happen. On the nose. Right on the nose. Right, right here. Yeah. For those watching on Rumble. Again, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. If you're listening to the podcast, we appreciate you listening, but you can always watch, see our beautiful, beautiful mugs every single Monday through Friday, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. And of course, do not forget, you can support the show by going to criticalthinking.locals.com. If you're on the Rumble uh, channel, you just click the join button uh, for as little as uh, $3 a month, I believe. You can support the show um, and help us grow that direction. All right. Um. So that having been said, Pat, um, it's time for a WTF Wednesday. Are, are, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Because there's a lot of WTF going on right now. Like a lot. All righty. Today's WTF, by the way, is brought to you by International Women's Month because nothing says anything you can do. A man can do better than International Women's Month. Than a man doing women womanhood better than women, right? Than women, yeah. Um, For example, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Drew Drew Barrymore. I forgot to pull up this video, by the way. I just didn't have time. But mm. um, yeah, well, Drew Drew Barrymore kneels before trans activist Dylan Mulvaney during talk show appearance. Now I know you said that you uh, <coughs> forgot to pull this one. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of glad you didn't because it is really cringe. Yeah, the and more I've seen this this video, um, the more I'm disturbed by it. Well, from I mean, a Drew multitude Barrymore, of levels. Drew Barrymore gets on her knees right in front of right in front of Dylan, and kind of puts her hand in like odd places at first. I feel like, but um, it, it was. Uh, I'm like, this is this is getting weird, and. Um, well, oh. it, it it was it was the kneel before Zod moment is what it felt like to me. Or excuse me, kneel before Zod moment is what it felt like. You mean kneel before Dylan moment? Right. <laughs> Dylan Mulvaney. I mean, er, whatever the hell he's calling himself these days. Right. I forget what his female name is, but uh, that is it, that is Dylan Mulvaney attempting to tell you that he's a woman. It's 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 pure, pure uh, cringe. It it was it was hard to watch. Now, what's even harder to watch is the video that they put out on TikTok after that, where they basically um, came within a millimeter of of locking lips. Yeah, like I said, it got weird, very got weird, weird. But um, just in case you were wondering if uh, transgenderism. The ideology is a cult. <clears throat> I'm going to present to you this from Dylan Mulvaney the other day. I hope you need to hear this today. Let them lose you. They have had enough chances to have a beautiful, brilliant, sparkling, giving person like you in their lives. 
Let them lose you. Tell me you're in a cult without telling me you are in a cult. Yeah. Is that or is that not a thing that a cult leader would tell the prospective um, new recruit, if you will, right? To uh, as they as they finish the indoctrination, right? But but what about my family and my relation? You destroy the relationship and then tell them it's okay to destroy the relationship so that now you are the one that's in control. Mm. Now, is it important to suggest that the, those who are toxic to your life that you cut them out? Yeah. <clears throat> but because somebody doesn't agree with your um, transition and lifestyle... Which, by the way, our president of the United States believes that you were born that way, um, and and that it is a choice. Oh wait, what? <laughs> um, this is all screwed up on on a multitude of levels. What the fire truck? Oh, and by the way, do not forget that um, if you believe. That transgenderism is something that we should be defeating as an ideology. You you want to lynch and kill and genocide all of the people who are trans. Don't forget that. We just saw that yesterday, too, with Charlie Kirk, by the way, in his mm-hmm. talk at UC Davis, where literally as Antifa and Black Bloc and all these other morons are out there protesting, what happened? The chancellor at UC Davis and the Sacramento Bee, by the way, poured fuel on the fire, suggesting that Charlie Kirk is one of those people who suggested lynching of people who are trained. No, no, no. Gender ideology is a thing that, by the way, is likely taught by professors on your campus as an ideology. Pat. Right. Defeating evil ideologies is a worthy moral cause, period, point blank. Would we suggest that we shouldn't have defeated Nazism? Because it's an ideology that in its practice is morally bankrupt, morally wrong, that should be defeated around every corner that it exists. And that is still to this day. There are still people who believe in it. I'm sorry, but I'm going to I'm going to absolutely oppose trash ideology all day every day just like i oppose communism why because it's absolute trash in theory and in practice transgenderism gender ideology the idea that you can just be whatever the hell you want to be ignoring biology ignoring actual physical science for pseudoscience Especially in confused times like you have in your teenage years. Yeah, I'm going to stand morally and physically opposed to it. There's no critical thinking other than, hmm, that's not normal. And it's okay, by the way, to say that. And it's also okay to not be normal. We all have things that we're not normal about. 
But physically harming yourself in the name of attempting to become normal is not normal. That is called mutilation. Now, if you want as an adult to self-mutilate yourself, right? You want to go down that route? Have at it. But don't expect me to support it. All right. That being said, Pat, what else you got on tap here? Well, as I said before, the, today's WTF is brought to you by International Women's Month. Yeah. Because the all-women liberal arts college votes on non-binding referendum to allow trans non-binary individuals to apply. And th- to be clear, this is the uh, liberal arts college in Massachusetts. Uh, <clears throat> uh, the uh, Wesley College. <laughs> Wesley include, College, yeah, yeah yep, yeah. Mm-hmm. I am shocked, yeah. shocked to hear that that college is that liberal. Oh wait, yeah, which, no, I'm not. Yeah, well, it included Hillary Clinton and Madeleine Albright. So yeah, yep. those yeah. bastions of women's rights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now they are including, or they're, they're allowing non-binary and trans. Well, they didn't say they were going to allow that. It's to the apply. students that voted on it. Oh, right, right. Excuse me. As a non-binding oh. referendum that Wesley College will now follow because. So, so, should this actually happen, they do realize they would no longer be an all-women's college, right? Right, because what they're actually going to have to allow then is men. Right. Who claim to be transitioning to womanhood. womanhood. And it's not as if we have, I don't know, a prison population or other areas of our lives that would tell us that this is a wholly bad idea. I mean, it's not as if we know that men would, wouldn't would abuse this to just, I don't know, prey on women. Oh, wait. That prison population in New Jersey. Yeah. Where, where oh, that's right. Where 90% of the... Uh, Men who are women, quote unquote, are actually just men and have gotten multiple women pregnant. Mm. 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 So what you're telling me, Pat, yeah, is that I can just declare that I'm going to be a I'm, I'm transitioning, right? Well, I mean, that's what you mentioned last night in our chat. Yeah, yeah. I can just say that and then just magically get admitted to Wesley College and have my free run of thousands upon thousands of women to choose from. I mean, I don't know how your wife would feel about that, but uh, right. I mean, back in my 20s, right back in my uh, youth, what 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 19 year old man wouldn't go? Oh, really? <laughs> I just, yeah. What the? F- All right, moving on, Pat. Any more from the 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 wealth of WTF? Yes, we have. Um, this is a more of a positive story in the end, but uh, there's a reason why this made my WTF, and it'll be fairly clear here in a moment. But the Christian school schoolgirls basketball team refuses to play with boy on roster association bans them from future tournaments 
that's why it is WTF because here you have an actual Christian school that's actually doing something that they should be doing, by the way, on an all-girls team, keeping boys off the all-girls team, and the association bans them for doing that. Shame on them. Absolute shame. Mm, I have a bit of a different take on this, Pat. Mm. Do decisions not have consequences? Because what you are asking sure, and what sure. everybody else on the right that got up all in arms over this story are missing. They knew damn well what the rules are. They knew it. So the big stance is we're willing to stand as a group, as a uh, as a um, as a school, as an athletic department, and say, yeah, no, we're going to live our values. And, well, there are consequences to that, and we're okay with the consequences. That's the positive story here. Right. Well, that's, that's true, the thing but... that the that the WTF is is there is no WTF here for me, and and here's why. The maybe the only WTF is that the state of Vermont's um um athletic association or whatever the hell they call themselves mm-hmm. um has a rule that states that you must affirm gender ideology, right? That you must affirm um gender whatever. In order to play. So if, if you decide to say, no, I'm not, they will ban you. That is the it's consequence a, for it. It's so they knew full well going into this exactly what was going to happen to them. And they're willing to do so. They're willing to stand up on their principle and suffer a consequence for future, right? For right. ever at this point until something changes. Now, at the same point in time, is it likely that they would try to uh, fight this in the court? Potentially. And get that rule removed, maybe, right? Maybe, but again, things worth fighting for are worth suffering for sometimes. No, and no, in I, this not, case, they I'm are. Disagreeing with that. I'm not disagreeing with that at all. So, but my my point is, this is a bad immoral rule, which it is. It takes away from, and we've talked about this before. Right, those it are two takes separate away questions. From, because the what it's the right still, is painting this as is is that these are poor so, these are poor uh children who who are being persecuted for standing up. No, they're not. They're not being persecuted for standing up. The state of Vermont has rules. And again, this is this is the point that I've made time and time again. The state or whomever, you've got rules, and if you don't want to follow them then there are consequences. And as a society, the church of me, everybody else, right? The the society of me believes that I should be able to do whatever the hell I want to do and damn the consequences. There should be no consequences, whether that's from the right, whether that's from the left, whether that's from the morally good or the morally bad. I should have no consequences. I shouldn't have to suffer anything. I should be praised to the high heavens. No. The state of Vermont has a set of rules, and if you don't want to play by those sets of rules, that's fine, but you're going to have consequences to that. And maybe the consequence, and and call me crazy on this, is start your own organization. Nobody said you had to play by the public school rules. And hell, who the hell says that they are the only cartel that gets to rule this? Go ahead and start your own organization. Gather more more groups, more private schools, more public schools that want to join that movement. 
Go ahead and do it. You can do it. See, for the right, it is, I want to play the victim. We're victims of your person. No, nobody's persecuting you. You know the rules, and that's the consequence of it. It's the same thing as, as there's a school here in Illinois, Pat, who played three illegal players, knowingly did it, by the way, won a state title, and now had to void all of their victories. Well, uh, you know what? I don't care about the rule. I don't like the rule. So therefore, I should just be able to do whatever I want. No, there are consequences. It's the same concept. Right, but that's not my, that's not my argument here. Right, but that's you your argument is separate. Your the argument is separate. Your argument mm-hmm. is separate from the larger argument that the right and the the religious evangelical crowd has been making over the last twenty four to forty eight hours as this story came out. The the it's oh my god, how dare the state of Vermont do this to these poor girls? No, 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 no. They're not some oppressed group. Now, is it true that the ideology being part of this is insane? Yeah, that's but that is a separate argument. And you can do two things about it. Fight it in the court, number one, or start something yourself. Do something about it. Don't play, don't play their game. Don't play that, right? Just pick yourself out of the situation and refuse to play the game. And they refused to play the game, thus suffering the consequences. Not just a forfeit, but they knew the rules. Well, I mean, t- I mean, our, our friend Todd Erzin has said as much. He's like, like you know, with the, the whole Leah Thomas situation. It's like, if you're a swimmer on Stand that team, the don't, don't, don't get off the block. Yep. Yep. What are they going to do? Right? Mm-hmm. Kick you off? Okay. Go find somewhere else and do something else. Right? Now, do I feel for the the girls who are caught in the middle of all of this? Yeah, but they also were part and parcel of this decision. They didn't make it in spite of the girls. They made it because of the girls. They are making a moral stand, and that's fine. I I just, I I can't stand the oppression Olympics on either side here. I really can't. You're not oppressed. You have a fight on your hand. And sometimes during that fight, you're going to suffer consequences that you don't like. Is it worth suffering those consequences to win the larger fight eventually? Yeah. And down the road, are we going to look at those girls and say, yeah, that might have been a watershed moment in this fight against uh, bullshit ideology? Absolutely. But to those on the right, stop. Just stop with this idea that you're a victim. Nobody's a victim. Again, those were the rules that the entire state decided to come up with. Sometimes, sometimes the rules are things that you might not necessarily always agree with, right? You might lose a battle here or there, and that was a battle that they lost. So you have a choice to make from that, right? And they made their choice. And that's fine. I think it's a right choice. I think it's a grand choice. I think it's a morally right choice to take that stand. But to suggest that taking a stand and in this culture of me, 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 and damn the consequences, I shouldn't have consequences. I should, whether they're positive or negative. You know, we talk about this with the abortion situation, right? You engage in an activity in which there could be a consequence that you don't like. Either you take the precautions or you follow your church teachings on this, 
right? Or you accept the potential consequence in front of you. And if you're not ready, don't do the thing, right? And in this case, if you are unwilling to accept the consequence, don't do the action. And the action is not play the game, right? If you're not willing to accept that um, the price is too high to pay, then maybe you, you you don't or or you transfer out of that school, right? Mm. And go somewhere else. All right, with that being said, Pat, any uh any last final ones here? Um I got one more for you. Okay. Chat GPT. Uh well, Chat GPT 4 specifically just passed the bar exam scoring in the 90th percentile. It crushed a bunch of other advanced tests, too. Is that bad? Not necessarily. But the overall consequences of what that could be? In some regards, sure, but not necessarily. I mean, all that suggests to us is that it has a high-functioning artificial intelligence activity. Right. That's all that that really suggests to me. Now, could it be used for nefarious reasons for people to cheat and whatever? Potentially. But you would have to have access to using chat GPT version four. And more importantly, you'd have you'd have to be able to. It's not as this isn't as if everybody has access to doing this. Okay, fair. And this isn't as if. You're just going to be able to input this in. That's not how the bar exam works. It, all it's suggesting is that it is a very high-functioning artif- level of artificial intelligence. It's a smart artificial intelligence. That's all that that suggests to me. Now, that does that pretend a larger question of do we go down this road? Can we put that genie back in the bottle? I don't think so. But Why not? So, so the only way to really do that is to unplug, right? Is to wholly unplug the entire concept of artificial intelligence. And I understand that. But what I'm what I am further suggesting is that this would have to go into a very large scheme for people to be able to to use this to pass a bar exam or pass this or do that, right? Now, will will the the other side of this catch up on the fraud side? Eventually it will. This is always the whack-a-mole game, right? It's the same thing with the concept of identity theft and in the world that I used to live in, right? Um, when it comes to fraud prevention and um, online fraud prevention, more importantly, you're just playing whack-a-mole. It, you, you can't possibly stop all of this from happening, but this specific thing is just showing the tool off, in my view. This isn't like, well, everybody can do that. No. This isn't like um, Watson from IBM, right? Being able to play chess against the greatest chess masters of all time and beating them consistently, right? This isn't about that. This is about showing the tool off and saying, guess what? This tool works to the point of it understands how to interpret the law. It understands how to do this. It understands how to do that. Um, That's where I take it. Yeah, I took it a very different way than you did. I've got no problem. I'm not afraid of this. Let's just put it that way. I think this is a lot of fear mongering for me. I'm, I'm, I'm more, I'm more concerned on, you know, what happens next. So, and and how it's used. 
is it going to be used for good? Is it going to be used for It's probably going to be used for a little bit of both, really. Well, sure, but you could say that about anything. Mm. Right? Okay, so the so the World Wide Web, Pat, right? Well, we shouldn't have done that, right? Well, no, the World Wide Web can be used for nefarious reasons and positive reasons and, and all sorts of things in between. Everything in life, a car can be used for nefarious reasons, uh, sure. a pen, a pencil, uh, your eyes, right? Your mouth, mm. your hands, your feet. You know, if we, if we want to go down those roads, it, it I just I'm not fearful of that. I think we have to think of the ethics. I think we have to think, right? We have to think about the things that we want to use this for and where we want this to go. And more importantly, we have to think about who is in control because that is the ultimate question when it comes to artificial intelligence. And so we've already seen it that if you put it in the because it ultimately is who's coding it, right? Right, and that's my problem. Because I work in that industry. Right. And I understand that, Pat. And and I work in that industry and lots of people do. But you, we can't live in fear of, oh, my God, somebody's going to create a chat bot that might limit our ability to see something. Right. That's mm-hmm. where our own critical thinking skills come into play. That's where, you know, reading actual books comes into play. That's where, like, doing the actual work comes into play and not just using chat GPT or whatever else to to drone out um, the hard work that you should have to do in life. Um, And I think those are larger questions. Again, it's a question of ethics. It's a question of. Which we haven't answered yet. No one's. Nobody's. No. As a broader society, this is new, right? In terms Mm. of its more broad application. So I think there's a lot of things that we have to think through, but I'm just not that fearful of this from a perspective of if it's being used for business intelligence or whatever have you, I think the, the, the ethics questions come in with how does this change how we learn? How does this change how we interpret data? How does this change those types of things? What is reality? And we have to think through those things and we have to really stop and go, hang on a second. Do we want to go down this road with this or is this, this a dead end that we're never going to cross, a line that we're never going there? So with that, Pat, your final thoughts. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And uh, to all the banks, stop collapsing, says Joe Biden. Please be smart, be safe, be kind. Make sure you eat all of your meals today. And as always, Matthew 547. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.